A house with a history of murder, an unsuspecting family, supernatural phenomena with evil intent, all this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Amityville Horror on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of... Retro versus Remake, the podcast where we compare films and their remakes. Join us as we explore the question, should this remake exist? Today's episode, Amityville Horror. So the original Amityville Horror, made in 1979, starring James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, Don Stroud, and Natasha Ryan. Directed by Stuart Rosenberg. One movie I'm familiar he directed is Cool Hand Luke. Screenplay by Sandor Stern. Music by Lalo Schifrin. He's known for, also, Cool Hand Luke. He also did the Mission Impossible theme. Yes, that Mission Impossible theme. One of my favorite movies, Enter the Dragon. And he did a rejected score for The Exorcist. So he has a little bit of history with horror. It was never used. Yeah, there was actually a rumor that his original score got rejected, was used for this movie, but it's a totally different score. Anyways, the remake, Amityville Horror 2005, starring Ryan Reynolds, Melissa George, Jesse James, Jimmy Bennett. Oh, introducing. I I love that part of again. Introducing Chloe Grace Moretz. Directed by Andrew Douglas. I am not familiar with his work. He actually didn't have a Wikipedia page. and He has an IMDb page, but... He doesn't have anything that I'm familiar with. I think he did a couple episodes of that Mindhunter series on Netflix. Anyways, screenplay by Scott Scott Kosar. Music by Steve Jablonski. He's known for the Transformers films. And a little bit of Metal Gear Solid 2 for all my gamer friends out there. And I'm just going to make a special note here that one of the producers of this film was good old Michael Bay. So, oh, yeah. Maybe you know what to expect there. All right, Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? First experience with either film is this podcast. <laughs> Same. Never watched either film. Yeah, I'm not a big horror movie guy. Like, you know, I've watched some horror films, and they're, they're ones that I like, but I generally don't indulge in the genre, as it were. So uh, this was my first experience with both films. I had, I guess, heard about the remake when it came out, but I wasn't that interested in, in it, and... Uh... Definitely never saw or heard anything about the original. I didn't know who was in it or I didn't even know the story. I knew it was about like a murder. And to my surprise, like I thought that he killed his family. But like, as we see in both movies, the whole family gets away and with their lives. So I was like, oh, they actually all lived. I did not expect that. I thought everybody was going to die. So I do nothing going into this. You, you would expect that from uh, at least from the the remake. But uh, now you Everybody, uh, spoiler to the end, I guess, but more or less okay. Yeah, except for maybe a dog, but we'll get to that, I'm oh. sure. Let's uh, get into a comparison, but before that, let's do a brief synopsis. In 1974, six members of a family, two parents, and four siblings were murdered in their home by Ronald Defoe, the eldest son. One year later, George and Kathy Lutz move into the very same home with their three children and dog, even after being told about the murders. Everything seems fine at first, but strange phenomena occur. The daughter sees an imaginary friend, Jody. The babysitter gets locked in a closet. George Lutz is always cold and seems to be coming down with a sickness. Strange voices can be heard. 
People see things that may or may not be there. Blood comes out of the plumbing and even the walls. A priest even tries to bless the house, but bizarre swarm of flies prevent him from doing so. They even discover a hidden room in the basement where even more murders may have occurred much further in the past. George seems to have a slip in sanity and becomes more and more hostile. After only 28 days in the house, things come to a head and George almost murders everyone. However, he is able to regain his sanity and the family leaves all their possessions behind and they never return to the house again. A little bit of a short synopsis uh, because there's definitely some things that the movies do differently, but it's pretty much like a haunted house and then in the end everybody's okay. Kind of a deal. That um, is the case for both films where, you know, there's a lot of tension and, and trauma that's happening, but ultimately they just sort of leave. Yeah, it sort of fizzles out. There's no sort of payoff, I guess, for all the yeah. tension that you've had to experience, especially well, uh, in the first one because it's so much longer. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get in the run times and the payoffs uh, down the line, but there's a few other things that we should probably talk about before we, we get to the big Big or not big ending, as it were. I think I'm looking at your notes, and uh, it looks like you're bringing up um, some of the differences between the original film and the religious aspects versus less focus on religion in the uh, the remake. Yeah. The original definitely puts more focus on the, I guess, the Christianity, and like they talk about the devil, and there's a crucifix, and there's more like of a priest storyline in the original. I thought the remake was going to stray away from that. And they kind of did, but then they eventually do bring a priest in. But it's definitely more heavy with the religion. And like, I think the original is more influenced by The Exorcist than the remake. And I think you could definitely feel that. Did you get that kind of sense from watching it? Yeah, I definitely caught a bit of an Exorcist vibe. And I had to do some research sort of after the fact. And it makes sense. The Exorcist came out six years before this movie did, um, Exorcist was 1973, and this original film being 1979. Cl I mean, clear, clear influence there, where they they do almost everything but mention an exorcism. Like there's a scene where it's obvious, like the father wants to embark on something like an exorcism, and he kind of gets shooed off. But uh, there's a lot of religious imagery and um, just religious moments throughout the film before your, your big climax. There's the crucifix. There's, I remember even there's mention of like Adam and Eve at one point. And they almost do follow the exorcist formula. They have the old priest that kind of knows what he's doing. And then they have the young mentor priest kind right. of just like trying to help him and just trying to understand everything. And they kind of go the same route. Like instead of killing like the Father Marin character, like in the exorcist, they, they blind the priest in, the, in Amityville Horror. So yeah, they almost do follow like that same sort of priest journey in both films yeah. i think early on in the film really before you start seeing the effects on the family you're seeing the effects on the priest a lot earlier than um when things really go off the rails for the family and i mean this guy goes through the ringer man like the fly scene i know we're going to talk about a little bit but like he's basically getting tormented his hands are getting burned can't breathe at certain times <laughs> throwing up everywhere yeah it's just like it's like you know what dude maybe new line of profession <laughs> yes poor guy he's like i need to help that family and then he starts choking or his hand starts blistering it's like yeah. is it worth it, it? <laughs> you just move on you know, at some point i'm like just not gonna pick up the phone <laughs> you know it's like there's nothing good coming from it it's a bit redundant in the original film because not only is it a priest that does that but a nun 
who's uh, the aunt of Kathy, kind of goes through the same thing when she visits. So it's like, if you didn't think this house was unholy, check it out as a nun also gets sick. It's like, right. did we need both of them? Yeah, I don't know if you need both of them because the aunt is only really in two scenes. The scene where she shows up, she pinches the kids on the cheeks, and then she's like, <laughs> oh, man, you know what? I don't feel that good. Yeah, I'm going to leave. And uh, puke. <laughs> Margot Kidder's like, no, please stay. And she's like, fuck that. I'm out. And then you see her again at the wedding. She's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I got really sick. And he's like, yeah, we saw that. You didn't have to <laughs> explain that at the wedding. It's funny. She's but, like, um, I was sick and I'm okay now. Okay, great. So that was worth it to watch that. There was also an element um, later on. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the different characters. But it seems that um, George actually is not of the same religion as um, as the Margot Kidder character. Like Kathy Lutz, his co-worker, which... We'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, he mentions that, you know, you're hanging out with this new woman, you change your religion and all that stuff. So I don't know if that's supposed to be part of this, that maybe that's why he's being affected. Obviously, there's a lot of ties to Catholicism. The priest sense the evil before truly the family does. And it takes a while for the family to pick up on that. There may be satanic forces at work here. I'm not sure if him changing religions, because it's, it's mentioned very briefly by his friend. Very briefly. It's just that, yeah, you change religions. It's like, well, is that an important thing? Do I need to know that? But it's kind of like a lot of things in this movie. It's sort of just, it's just mentioned, but it's never really resolved in the end. I'm not sure what his changing religion, um, if that's the reason that he was affected the most out of everybody in that family. Could be a factor, probably not a factor. It just, it seems to be more that he kind of like looks like the previous resident and apparently he's just more affected by the house. Religion is pretty heavy-handed in the original, and then it's, like I said, it's sort of brought up in the remake. I think the main reason they brought the priest in the remake was just to sort of recreate that famous fly scene, to kind of put their own take on it, which is a pretty intense scene in the original. I, I must say, like, just, I would freak me out, like, all of a sudden these flies just kind of appear out of nowhere, and then they're just, like, on your face and just, like, all over you and making you choke, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's unsettling, it's so very unsettling. Absolutely unsettling, and it's so early in the film. That you're just sitting there and like very quickly, you know, something's up. I find that there's a little bit more mystery in that first film. But, you know, you just see all these flies and then they're inside somehow and they're on the priest's face. And you see the the door open and the voice is saying, get out. It's a pretty crazy scene. And I can understand why the remake would want to play that back just because it is such a big scene in the original film. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful scene. Like you said, it's early in the film, so it definitely sets the tone like there's something wrong here and you're going to you're going to experience it firsthand. Like you said, there's a little bit maybe you hear a voice, but the I guess the supernatural element isn't too heavy-handed at that point where you're like, "Oh, it's definitely a ghost." You're just like, "What is it?" I don't know. Yeah. It's something's wrong. I don't exactly know, but yeah, that image will stick in your brain for the rest of the film, just like all those flies and everything. It's pretty intense. Yeah, and even the way they they do in the original with some of the like close-ups on flies and stuff like that, where like you're just seeing all this, it's it's well shot, you know, like yeah. um, you're getting that the wide shot of the guy just choking on flies. You're getting these gross-out close-ups of the flies themselves, and like, hey, big up to that actor. He's just like he does a great job of looking like he's struggling to breathe <laughs> because uh, he, he's just being like pelted with flies. Yeah. And then you have that scene sort of redone in the remake, done much later. Very, very much later. And uh, we definitely have CGI flies. These are 
definitely not real flies. It's a 2005 right. film too. So watching it in 2019, not as good, not as effective. I would definitely say, because instead of just having the flies sort of occasionally subtly appear, it's just like this swarm that just comes out of this vent yeah. and knocks them over. And in order to do that, you have to use these computer animated flies, and you can definitely tell they're fake. And it's we'll talk about this a lot later, but it's it's a jump scare. The yeah. remake relies heavily on jump scares. Absolutely. I think you bring up the point that you make that it happens so much later in the movie. The way the two movies um, are essentially framed, um, and like you mentioned, we will bring this up more of the jump scares. That word redundant kind of comes back to mind here because the religion is just kind of like sort of shoehorned in there. Like the kids are saying their prayers early in the movie, so you know that there's Kathy's religious in both films. But... Um, it doesn't come up a lot. You don't see, like, the crucifix in the remake, mm-hmm. necessarily. By the time the priests come there, you already know something's up. And we're going to get into this aspect of it, too. But, like, you really know something's up in a remake very early on. So by the time the priest shows up, there's not much more to sort of draw from in terms of things being off. Where in the original film, the priest l- is a- effectively letting you know how off things are right there. So it the character comes much earlier and has much bigger effect whereas in the remake the character comes late and this is kind of more of the same at that point yeah that's true because we already know that there's issues with that house um him leaving the house doesn't go oh man this re- there really is a danger there and yeah. we don't even really spend time i think he's only in two scenes i think he's yeah. just that one ha- uh, scene when he comes to bless the house and then later the kathy character just visits him again we don't really learn anything new it doesn't really escalate anything it's just like you said more of the same yeah. The one upside on the priest on the, on the back end is that, you know, there seems to be an item from the house that was um, owned by the little girl previously. And he has this sort of ominous line where it's like, she was buried with that dog. And it's like, OK, you know, that's strange. But again, at this point, the way the movies are shot, it doesn't really matter that there's more phenomenon happening because we, we kind of already know the deal. We um, not only do we know like what's happening, we kind of already know. Like who it is, right? I mean, yeah. we, I guess we can get into this now. I'll say, I'll say this um, before we like really dive into it. What I appreciate about the first one um, with the priest is the priest is being affected by all this stuff. He gets really sick. He starts getting burns on his hands and stuff like that. There's a lot of questions about his health at that point. Like you said, his little men- mentee, as it were, is clearly noticing something's wrong. What makes the priest in the religious aspect more powerful in the first film? is in uh, Father Delaney has to go to the church. Like, he goes to, like, sort of the higher-ups, and he says, hey, look, I've seen this before. This is, like, really some, like, occult Satanist stuff. And he he's basically fighting for the family's life. So you have this outside actor that's saying, hey, there's something wrong with this house, and we need to do something as a church. And the church kind of pushes back and says that everything can be explained away, mm-hmm. which to me is is powerful because in the first film, things can be explained away. You know, like, yes, we're noticing strange things happen in the house, but, like, we really don't know yet exactly what's happening. I think that ties into what I think you were about to sort of get at with the difference between the two movies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Just uh, adding to that a little bit. So I do like some of the religious things in the original film, but I Mm -hmm. definitely just watching it, I couldn't help but go, like, I feel like they're just 
going a little heavy with the religion just because exorcists did it. We definitely spend a lot of time with the priests, um, a little more than I feel like we need to necessarily. So like while I liked some of it, I definitely like the flies scene. I don't think like we needed to see like everything that happened with the priest or I think the story was just a little too long, which I think we'll talk about and uh, yeah. just how the original is just a little long. But I definitely appreciated some of that stuff. And I was kind of hoping that the remake would stray away from it, which it did for the most part. It makes you ask questions about the mechanics of, like, the house. Like, in that original film, because, like you said, we spent so much time with the priests and things like that, it's like, what is the sort of, like, range on the house's, like, ability, you know? Because he's basically, like, in a church, like, trying to, like, bless the family and things are happening to him. Like you mentioned, when he goes blind or when they're on their way back to the house and... The, the car, the yeah. brakes aren't working, and the, the, the hood flies up. It's like, how much power does this house have? And also, like, like like what is its effective range? Like, these guys are not anywhere near there, mm-hmm. and they're just getting, like, I don't know, they're getting sort of, like, jerked around by the occult. It's it's a little strange. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what is the triggering mechanism? It's like, it's because you're already at the house, so now there's this ominous presence around you all times just keeping you in check. Like, hey, if you even talk about the house, bad stuff's going to happen to you. It gets a little iffy there. You're just like, well, they're getting attacked now again? It's like, why? It's yeah. a little confusing. As you mentioned, like, there's so much time with the priest that it's like, you kind of, like, you start feeling bad for the guy because you're like, he hasn't really done much in this house. It's like taking a lot of its its ire out on him. It's like, geez, man, like cut, cut the guy a little bit of slack, you know? Yeah, he wasn't even able to bless the house at all. At least in the remake, the, the father was at least able to put a little holy water on there. He got attacked by a swarm of flies, but that was it. Him and the house were done after that. Like he didn't get blisters on his you know hands. He didn't go blind. He didn't start yeah. seeing weird things. Yeah. That poor priest in the first one, he just got the... I think he got it worse than George did. He got, it, he got it the worst, in yeah. my opinion. He, he more or less just gets beat up um, <laughs> spiritually. And it's like, it's a little, I guess, off-putting, I guess, if you're going to go for such a religious aspect. It seems a religion doesn't work at all. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> nothing. The most holy guy there is getting the biggest punishment. And, you know, really, his biggest sin, as it were, was that he was a true believer in um in the church. And all it got him was blisters, blinded, you know, uh, choked by flies. It, it's kind of off-putting. It, it starts making you ask certain questions that I don't think the movie needs you to ask. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a little bit too much time focusing on religion when, like, ultimately religion doesn't solve it. Yeah, like, you know? it's almost like they're saying, like, religion has no power. Like, this is so evil. Like, even religion's, like, powerless against it. Like, I think that's one of those statements that I shouldn't be saying from watching the movie, but that's kind of what I'm getting. Like, wow, even religion has no power here. This is just, sorry, religion, right. not today. Whereas, like, it works for a movie like The Exorcist because the religion is on kind of, like, equal footing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, there's occult things happening. There's, like, the unexplained and evil happening. But at least you're able to battle it a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of pushback. Religion is able to do something, at least. But, like, in Amityville Horror, like, you can't even get your foot in the door. You're just going to get attacked. <laughs> you can't pick up the phone to even talk about <laughs> coming by to maybe do something. It's like the power of the house. Um, and I do certainly want to get into into that um, a little bit later in the podcast. But, like, the power of the house in the original is, um, in both films, but in the original especially, is... is 
intriguing because at times I'm not really sure how how it works in both films, but like more so in the original to me. I'm like, wh- what is where does this end? Like, where's the range on this? It just seems a little ambiguous in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, but we yeah. can uh, change direction a little bit and talk about the tone of the films you had some pretty good notes about that yeah um it ties kind of back into religion aspects a little bit you know i know that we're going to talk about it but um tonally in the original film to me the word that kind of jumps out to me is uh is mystery you know i'm not really sure what's happening you know yes there's there's the flies and there's um little girls seeing things and there's, there's little moments that are very subtle like when the girl's sitting in a rocking chair and then there's the other rocking chair going until like the mom walks into the room. Like that's a really cool and powerful scene in the film. You know, someone died there. Like that's given in both films early on. And now the question is, how does that affect these new inhabitants of the house? And there, there's a lot more question marks that I have about it in the original film. Whereas in the remake and, uh, you know, I think you may agree with me on this, you know, the mystery has gone, like mm-hmm. cats out of the bag very early on. Yeah. Because they're, they're using that more modern jump scare style of horror. Yeah. I guess going along with what you're saying, in the original, we don't see really any of the apparitions. Maybe towards the end, I think George might see like kind of a horned demon through the house window towards the mm-hmm. very end. And I think that's maybe like the only real time that you see like, okay, there's there's something there. But like early on in the movie, you really don't see anything. Like you, like you said, you're getting these subtle things like rocking chairs and flies, but... There's nothing like spelled out for you, right? You're kind of making your own assumptions at this point. But in the remake, they're just like, here's a ghost. Right. <laughs> like almost immediately, oh, pretty like, early on. Basically day one, ghost, here mm-hmm. it is. There's a little ghost girl and it's like, okay. So like I was saying, I think the original was took a lot of influence from The Exorcist. I think the remake took a lot of influence from The Ring. You take the little dead, scary, creepy girl with the long black hair and... They use that a lot in the remake. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to talk about tone a little bit, and I know we'll get into some of the other jump scare moments and some of the more out there parts of the remake. I mean, the the ghost girl, yes, it's creepy. The whole, like, when the babysitter shows up and, like, basically puts her finger in, like, the bullet hole, it's just, like... Pretty gross. It's little... Yeah, it's gross, and it's a little off. I mean, what I think makes the original where it does work what really makes it function is that the question is, is Jody a figment of her imagination mm-hmm. or is it real? That question is out there very late in the movie. Whereas like, is this girl just being like a creep? Um, is she being affected by the house or is, is there more to it? Where in the remakes, like I, there's this Jody girl and then you see the actual physical sort of embodiment of Jody as a ghost. And early on, it's like, okay, well, we now know that this house is truly haunted. There's no, there's no question mark anymore. Like we know what's happening, and I think it happens a little too early in the film, and it it sort of takes away from the progression for um, the George character, it's sort of the progression for the family, because you know what the problem is very soon, and at least in the original film, because they don't know what the problem is, it makes sense that they're there as long as they are. Yeah, that's a, a good little, point. A little more, because it's like, all right, you you guys are giving it a good try. You don't really know what's affecting you. As, as I mentioned with the priest, like some of the stuff can be explained away. Not so in the the next film. Like everybody seeing. I mean, everybody is seeing stuff, and 
you know, it, it almost is like maybe you guys should have like a conversation about what you're seeing because yeah. you might have to solve this thing. I like the subtlety more of the original because it's almost like you can relate to it. Like, hey, you move into this new big house. Maybe sometimes you hear something or maybe you see something and it's not really there and you're not sure. And you can kind of like play these mind games with yourself. Like, is something really there? And then, nah, I don't know. But then like in the remake, they're just like, no, it's definitely a ghost. And you can't right. like, you can't relate to that. It's like, you're not going to see a ghost in your house like when you move in right away. So I think it's just also more relatable in a bizarre way. I think they definitely do it too early in the remake, and they do it very often in the remake. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's done not sort of consistent because uh, it's sometimes the people do see it, and sometimes the people right. don't see it. So right. it's like it's only supposed to scare the audience watching it the entire time. It's it's not consistent the effect that it has on uh, the people who are watching in the film. So I thought that right. was a weird choice too, that they don't always see the ghosts. I think that's a weird choice, like um. Like, yeah, you mentioned the scene, uh, I mean, like, you mentioned that, like, the scene where the ghost is above yeah. George, but, like, is kind of like there's other hands and, like, closing his mouth so he never sees it. I thought it was very interesting that the babysitter had seen it so, like, with such prevalence. Like, I thought it was an odd moment for the babysitter to be so affected by that. But, I mean, um, you see a lot of these jump scares. And I think uh, a problem with the film where it suffers with these jump scares is jump scares into like basically like dream sequences where like someone gets up and like, oh, oh, geez, what, what was that? Yeah. Jumping back into a jump scare and then another wake up scene. It's like sometimes you don't know if you're watching, as you mentioned, a real thing that's happening, if they're seeing it or is this a dream? Is it a dream within a dream? Like it, it gets a little confusing and um i guess it's maybe to try to show you that psychologically they're breaking down but it actually just sort of confuses you because a lot of the big scary moments aren't real yeah so you're kind of training the audience to be like well just wait a couple of seconds to see if this is a real one or this is a fake one yeah which i think actually hurts the movie definitely it loses its, its effectiveness and then like you said you're just gonna wait Wait, that didn't really happen, did it? Okay, it didn't, because you've done it so many times before. It relies very heavily on these sort of fake dream sequences that they don't scare you at all because you just trained yourself to wait just a few seconds to see that, oh, it is a dream. It's like they set it up so bizarre that way. I don't know. They just, I guess they relied too heavily on it. Like, well, it worked once. Let's do it again. But you can't keep doing the fake out like that. And especially towards the end, it really pissed me off. Uh, Spoilers, when uh, Kathy gets stabbed in the stomach with the axe, I was like, oh, shit, they went there with this. But no wasn't even a dream sequence it was just like a vision george saw that he's like no you right. have to kill me and this you know there's visions in the first film but like they don't like, rely on it as much yeah not nearly as much and um i mean like the sequence that I'm, I'm thinking of i don't know the exact sort of uh framework of it but like george wakes up something crazy happens he wakes up again something crazy happens and it's just like wait a minute wait a minute like where is he asleep is he not asleep like you mentioned the Kathy thing, I thought that would have been powerful if that had truly like happened. Or, you know, if like in that moment, because Kathy like sort of doesn't go through with shooting him, maybe if the son did something with the axe and like even if you don't kill George in that moment, if like the teenage son, which I think we, we will talk about the age of the kids as well, with him being older, there's a moment there for you to have him kind of fight back and maybe like it's not effective enough to kill George, but you know, we can create some drama there. 
that's just not there because things that are happening aren't happening. To be, I guess, fair to the film, when you think about horror movies like this, the theater experience is probably what they're going for more than just you and I watching this in our own house. You know, there's a difference to watching a scary movie in a theater, big screen, big sound. It just doesn't, it didn't play well, I guess, watching it at home because I just couldn't be, couldn't be bothered. I was like, all right, well, we'll yeah. see what happens. Because, you know, jump scares definitely get old when you're watching a movie by yourself. So <laughs> definitely not I, as effective as, as the original. I thought the, I like the subtlety of the original, the mystery, yeah. like you said. Uh, I think yeah. that plays better. And yeah, I just think they were tra- relying too heavily on the, let's show that creepy girl again. That worked in the ring, right? So let's show it here. I think they relied too much on that. To sort of be fair when you're talking about the tone of the original, I think that tonally um, there's some issues with the original as well. I think that in general it seems to work better, but um, because the main villain, as it were, is a house, there's some problems with with that logic as well. Um, one thing that kind of pokes out to me is like right before uh, Kathy's brother's like wedding. <laughs> The house steals like fifteen hundred bucks from him, and I'm just like, All right, wait a minute. So the house is like stealing money. <laughs> it's a pickpocket house. <laughs> like, I appreciated a lot of the um, the subtlety, the horror, not knowing like where some of the drama is going to come from. But some of the some of it just also rang as like petty in a weird way. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, the house like dropped your like something fell, and then the guy lost fifteen hundred bucks. It's like, well, that's not scary. <laughs> you know, it's not scary. That- he like lost his money and i think this comes down to runtime honestly there's a couple of like the moments that are supposed to be like what the fuck's happening that are also just like kind of boring and i will say that that's probably the biggest weakness tonally for the first film i mean it definitely drags on at points like i said i think they spend a little bit too much time on the priests in the first film because ultimately what happens the old priest just becomes blind he never comes in and saves the day. There's not really a resolution to the religion versus yeah. the evil house. It just kind of fizzles out. And to go along with the priest, there's also that investigator who's kind of following the family around. And right. we follow him for a bit. And his story also kind of goes nowhere. So there's a few storylines in the original that are unresolved and ultimately yeah. unnecessary, especially since we're talking about a two-hour film that... It is hard to keep your attention, and uh, there's definitely some cuts that could have been made. Yeah. Like, the sergeant doesn't pay off at all. Yeah. I, one one scene that really jumps out to me is the amount of time we, we spend when, like, the doors of the house kind of just blow off, for, like, randomly. And then the, the investigator comes and says, well, it doesn't look like a break-in, and, you know, the doors are being busted out and not in, which is, like, typically not part of a break-in. And it's like, at this point, we, we already kind of know things are off. You know, we've already had a lot of paranormal activity. The doors blowing out didn't move the needle much in any direction. If you if you were trying to show that, like, the sergeant is skeptical of George, at least bring him back in, you know, at some point. Maybe, maybe he's around when George is kind of having his freak out at the end to do something. But, like, for him to just be like, hmm, man, that's weird. And then, like, <laughs> never show up again. Yeah. In any like significant way, it, it's it's a waste, and it actually, I mean, that's another ten minutes of screen time that you could have just cut out because it didn't do anything. Yeah, I thought they would kind of kill him 
because I thought like, oh, he's going to come back at the end, try to save the family and the house is going right. to kill him, right? It's going to escalate things. That that made sense to me. Didn't happen. <laughs> he doesn't even show up at all. <laughs> no, that's it, you know? He's early on in the movie when the original family stuff is happening. He comes back later. I mean, he could have at least sort of revealed some information there. Like when he came to the house, he was like, this... You're acting just like that other guy. I'm gonna keep it like keep an eye on you. You know that would have been more than just like, eh. Well, that's not how a door breaks. You, <laughs> you know, it doesn't look like a break in. It's like, well, we know it's not a break in. I know that. You know that. So for him to sh- say that it's not a break in doesn't do anything if the cop never shows back up. So I think you're right. Yeah. Like, um, if he would have been more skeptical of George, as you mentioned, maybe been kind of trailing him or like coming around the house to like check in and notice George kind of losing it. I think you're right that that would have been worth it, but it, it wasn't worth it because he never shows up. Yeah. And I think it would have given him like an interesting kind of arc because he was there for the original murders and then he maybe becomes kind of obsessed uh, with the people living in this house and then maybe give him something to do. Like I think having him killed, like having it be his ultimate demise because he got obsessed with the house after the first murders, you know, give him somewhere to go instead of just kind of tailing the priest and talking (laughs) about more stuff that we didn't really need that we really didn't need to know about. From a film perspective, I'll give the remake this that that's just a good cut. Like, didn't need it. Glad it's not there because it doesn't do anything. Um, there's some other issues, like we mentioned tonally with the film, but they, they do do a good job of sort of cutting out unnecessary things, whereas the um, the original keeps in a lot of um, a lot of stuff that we don't need. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't really pay off. I don't know if we want to jump into some of the character stuff more because I think that will that will bring us back into some stuff that we don't need because there's a lot in the original with George that I think um, it builds out his character but did we need it? You know? Yeah. I actually just want to build off a little bit on like how the remake made some good cuts but like I think the re- agree with you there was definitely some smart cuts in the remake but I mm-hmm. think this kind of goes back to the jump scare stuff and showing the ghost. I think they kind of made a mistake by showing us too much sometimes like even like the the opening of both movies you actually see the original murders the, the defoe family i believe right. and i actually really like how the original did that you don't really follow ronald okay. uh, like, i'm sorry kind of like you don't know what he looks like or like yeah you know, we yeah we don't know we don't really know who did the murders in the original at first you know, you find out later that it was the son. You don't really see him watching TV, kind of hearing voices. You don't see him, like, interacting with the young sister. You just, that's kind of like the jump scare, like, of the original movie. Just these, all of a sudden, just bang, these huge shotgun shots. And then just everybody's dead. And then in the remake, you kind of follow him around a little bit more. And he actually talks to the sister a little bit, which is pretty creepy. But I thought it was more effective in the original, just showing us less of that original murder because not only do they show you more in the remake then later the babysitter tells you about it again mm. right and they're, they're, we're talking redundant again so that's more we didn't really need so you either show us less in the beginning or don't have the babysitter say it again because we already knew that information and now you're just saying it again as much as the remake is making smart cuts it also definitely has some redundancies or unnecessary additions sure. um I think that sort of goes back to what makes a lot of the remake work, which is the mystery. You're figuring things out the same way 
the characters are figuring things out. Like by not knowing sort of what happened in that murder. Was it the father? Was it the brother? Like you don't know that until much later. And it makes you wonder more about the house and the murders because you're like, what kind of spurring this, you know, paranormal activity more or less. And yes, it runs for probably longer than it needs to, but at least you don't know what's going on until later. So there's some interest in like following the story um, as it were. In the remake, you're right. Like early on, you know about everything you need to know. Um, in the house, I think even the realtor tells them like about the murders. So knowing kind of what happened makes you less sympathetic to them still sort of being there because you already know that there's a problem. You, you've you seen the ghosts. You've seen all this bad stuff happening. In the original, it's like, all right, like you notice things are happening, but like how bad is it at this point? Is this something that we can sort of push through? Remake is like, this is clearly a problem. Um, you kind of know what the guy that murdered someone looks like. It just, you need the mystery to stay on the ride, in my opinion. Yeah, that's it. It just, no, that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Because you don't know all the information, right? You're slowly getting bits and pieces in the original, right? And that's that's sort of justifying the longer running time because you do want to know. You want to know what's happening and, like, why this is happening. And you're hoping that the movie's going to tell you eventually. And, like, in the remake, they tell you right away, it's a ghost. And so you're like, okay. It is ghosts, so now you're just waiting kind of for shit to hit the fan. Like, all right, when's the murder going to happen? Because you don't have to keep telling me that there's ghosts here, because that's all they keep doing. They're not telling you any more information about the murders. You're not learning anything new. You're just seeing more jump scares, and you're just like, all right, I get it. This kind of sucks, but, like, when is, like, you know, when's the horror part going to happen? When's the husband going to go crazy? You're just waiting for that, like, almost, like, ten minutes into the movie, because the mystery's gone. But, like, in the original, it's like, okay, so little piece here, little piece there. I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, and then it's going to build up to something, and I can't wait to see where that goes. There's a lot more build up in anticipation, because they reveal so little at a time. And that's that grabs my attention, personally, as a viewer. I think that when you're watching the original Early on, your focus is more or less on the house because you don't have anything else to reference. By modern standards, a little cheesy now, but like um, at the time, I'm sure it's fine. Like the red lights in the house, like I don't know if it's supposed to kind of like almost like anthropomorphize it, make it look like a face or something like that. You know, your your beef is with the house, and it just opens it up to trying to figure out what's happening in the house. Whereas, like, in the, the remake, there's a little ghost girl that's, like, fucking with people. All right. Well, like, how are they going to deal with this ghost girl? And, like you said, it's so early on that that's your now question. There's no question about what's happening in the house. You know what's happening. So then we now have to sort of do this whole progression, knowing what's going on, and ultimately having to see how they're trying to resolve it, where you give yourself a little more leeway with an audience when... They don't know what's going on. Yeah, sort of uh, the unknown is more scary than the known. I think mm-hmm. one amazing example of that in both movies is the when the babysitter does get locked in the closet. The way it's done in the original, she just she's a lot younger, first of all. And she goes mm-hmm. into this closet. There's like one single source of light. And then the closet door locks on her. She starts panicking a little bit. Then the light goes out. She's freaking out. She doesn't yeah. know what's happening. You don't know what's happening. It's just... I think it's a brilliant scene in the original movie, and that freaks me out. If you have any issues with being claustrophobic or anything, I think that scene will definitely, like, scare the shit out of you. And then 
yeah. way they did it in the remake, you know, she's a lot older, so she's not this vulnerable little girl. She's not only do you see the ghost, which, you know, obviously we said isn't as scary. We already know there's a ghost. We get it. But, like, she can also see outside the closet, so she's not completely alone in the dark. And you see the things that's yeah. happening. You're not, like, freaking out, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to her? You see exactly everything they want you to see. And I think not knowing what's going on with her in that closet, I think that's a lot more scary than just, okay, there's a ghost there. And it just, it was creepy as shit and gross, putting the finger in the bullet hole. But like, yeah. I know what's happening. So I'm, I'm guess I'm more okay. As opposed to like, I don't know what's happening to this girl in this closet. I'm so worried about her. Please show me what's happening to her. Yeah. I think um, those scenes play out completely different. One, the babysitter's age is part of it to the babysitter's experience with the previous family where in the original film is not implied that she babysat for murdered people, you know, <laughs> um, that, and then it's a pivotal scene in the first film for the, uh, the little girl character, because you're sitting there and it's, it almost looks like she's just kind of like allowing this to happen. It, it makes you question her motives. So like now you're skeptical, skeptical of, the daughter of this little girl because it looks like she's just kind of like letting this one chick suffer. And they kind of go back around and talk about what's happening there a little bit, but it frames sort of George's reaction in a better way. It frames sort of the family's interaction in a better way because people are still skeptical of what's going on at that point. Um, The babysitter freaks out and then everyone's still like, well, look, the door doesn't have a lock, you know, like they talk about that a little bit and it's still kind of up in the air of who's, responsible for that uh that point at that point like the family is thinking in a way like this picture is kind of dumb like there's no lock here like i don't know (laughs) what the problem is in the remake like when you get the bullet hole she's older she has experience with jody so she knows what jody looks like when it's all said and done instead of just kind of being like oh i couldn't get out she's like damn near like comatose yeah she's like catatonic but she's like freaking out man And and it's like i get why she's freaking out but like but for instance, we were talking about the sheriff in the first or the sergeant in the first film. All right. Like he was there to like kind of oversee stuff like this. In this moment, you had someone like freak the fuck out. They got bloody knuckles. They get pulled away by the EMTs. No one has any questions. Like, <laughs> authoritative point. It just leaves this open ended moment. And I don't feel like the little girl's motivation is in question because we already know she sees ghosts because not only does she see ghosts. The babysitter saw the ghost. Other people saw the ghost. You know, like, it, yeah. it, it just has a different impact on George's reaction to the little girl not doing something, I guess, in that moment. Yeah, he's more and mad that, at the babysitter. Just, he's like, fucking goddamn babysitter telling the kids the story. Now that I'm kind of thinking back through it in my head, even that, it's a bigger moment in the remake in the sense that, like, everybody was trying to get her out of the, the thing. Like, the sons were there, too. So it's it's completely different because we're still talking about tone. It's, totally completely different mm-hmm. like i guess george is kind of blaming all of the kids collectively but i i think the first one just works so much better like you mentioned that you don't know what's going on at all you're not expecting her to get locked in there mm-hmm. at all and when it's all said and done there's still a question mark is to is this babysitter just freaking out for no reason or is it really the um the paranormal again yeah and i like what you said before it's like can you trust the daughter in the first movie like what are her motives why didn't she do anything like is she even still the daughter anymore is there just jody at that point you know there's a lot of these questions that you're asking yourself and it keeps you engaged and then there's no question in the remake you're like oh it was the ghost 
Mm-hmm. Moving on. Let's go. I'm ready to go. Come on. Let's go to that night. Let's go to the horror night already. But don't keep showing me more things. I get it. There's the ghost. Yeah, ghost did it. Finger in the bullet hole. Freak out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is just more of a, a choice of like scenery and stuff like that. The door looks way flimsier in the uh, the remake, uh, especially given the that woman's age. I think that she could have found a reasonable way to get out of that door, oh, yeah. whereas it looks more, more solid in the original. Not not to make a big point about it, just like it took me out of it a bit because like you can see the slats in the door and it's just like you could probably get out of there. Yeah, like I was saying, she could actually see out through the door, and she yeah, you, I think that was pretty weak. You could probably punch through those things to get out instead I, of. I think so. Yeah. We're kind of comparing characters here, so maybe we should get into mm-hmm. our main character comparisons. All right, so let's start with the main character, George Lutz. He was played by James Brolin, you know, Thanos' daddy. And uh, we got Ryan Reynolds, uh, Deadpool, in the remake. Interesting, because Thanos, I'm sorry, there's a Josh Brolin, right? He was Cable, and then he was in Deadpool 2 with Ryan Reynolds, so they worked together. <laughs> there you go. There's a connection there. Little connection. Anyways, what do you think about the Georges? I'm conflicted in this sense. The early George in the remake I like. The late George in the original I like more. What I mean by that is Ryan Reynolds has just more personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's cracking jokes and he's being a fun guy. He's doing the Ryan Reynolds thing. Also, the, everyone wants you to know how, how ripped he is because he takes it <laughs> A, a ton, man. But I think that um, it actually hurts the film how personable Ryan Reynolds is early on. Mm-hmm. Because by the end, he's just such a fucking lunatic that it actually it just doesn't feel right, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you went from this like nice guy to um, essentially raving lunatic. The original film, George is just kind of more like, you know, I'm a 70s guy. I'm a cool dude, you know? Like, I got my jacket. I got my lady. Got my hair. Oh, he's got a beautiful head of hair, that George. That's great. Like, he's more of an open slate. Like, he's a clear slate. There's not much to the character early on. And by the end, you're learning more about him. And the transition in his sanity feels a little bit... um, It feels like there's a a better flow to that, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about it. I kind of agree with you. Okay, I guess I'll start with the original George. I think Mm -hmm. he doesn't really have much of a personality in the beginning but one thing i do kind of like what they did in the original is they didn't show that he had a really close relationship with the kids they did that more in the remake the idea that he could possibly kill his family it, the the evolution of that uh, seemed more natural in the original yeah. just because he was a little more distant from those kids and then you have the remake where ryan reynolds is being ryan reynolds with the kids in the beginning right cracking jokes trying to be as charming as he can and then Almost out of nowhere, he's just an asshole. He's especially an asshole to the oldest one, but pretty much he's an asshole to kind of all of them. And I think it's a harder transformation uh, to take in, to, to believe, and especially because it's Ryan Reynolds, right? He's more the personality in the beginning. He's the early George, definitely, more than he is that latter George who's just insane and an asshole. So I think the transformation's a lot more believable in the original. But yeah, I think your assessment was pretty accurate. Uh, he's more interesting in the remake in the beginning, but definitely takes it in the original towards the end uh, of the movie. I don't know because the original film has more runtime, as more or less uninteresting as George is. Ultimately, especially early on, it's like all right, he's a guy and like he's ambiguously like 
he's got this ambiguous career. They they get into a little bit where like he's supposed to be signing paychecks and he's not. He's you know he he's acting odd and people are showing that he's odd. But like you mentioned, there's no real connection to the kids. You can tell that he's a stepdad. Like they bring that up. He's trying to make a connection, but it's not quite. It hasn't taken yet. As you mentioned, this is more of a pivotal moment here. This transition to a new home, a new life, and he's he's giving it his best as he knows. But like, you don't know a lot about him early on. So wherever the movie takes you, it's like mm-hmm. all right, yeah, all right. He's um he's getting angrier. You know, he looks sick now. All right, I get that. Reynolds, he has like a clear connection, especially with the youngest son. Like. Mm-hmm. They like each other from what I can see. And, you know, he he's given it a really good effort to try to be like their new dad. And like, sure, there's a teenage kid that isn't fully on board yet. But to go from that jokey Ryan Reynolds that we all know and love to like this dude shirtless. He's like chopping wood in his kid's face. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I mean, he's and, making um, the kid hold the block of wood while he chops it. It's like, it's fucking really? <laughs> it's Way too early on. And to be honest, the way the films show his relationship with uh, with the wife, it doesn't seem as actually connected mm-hmm. with the wife in the remake that it does in the original. Like in the original, um, James Brolin's interactions that you see are, are mostly with her. So like the kids are more like window dressing their background and he's trying to connect there. But he clearly has chemistry and connection with Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. So when he starts acting a little weird, I understand Margot giving him a little more leeway. Whereas in the remake, you know, they're together, but it doesn't seem like there's a real reason why she would be okay with him. Like, and she mentions in uh, one of the scenes, like, is this um, discipline or is this torture? You know, like, I don't see why she would allow this guy to torture her kids. Doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, you want to go back a little bit, kind of what you said before. They had mentioned that uh, he's the stepdad. I think, again, playing to the original strengths, they don't spell everything out for you right away. You don't learn that he's the stepdad right away. I didn't actually learn he was the stepdad until he's at the bar at the end of the movie with his coworker, And then I was like, oh my God, wow, I didn't realize they weren't his kids. In the remake, you know right away, hey, I'm his dad, here's a picture of dad, you're not my yeah. real dad. They really, right. they force that down in your throat. So again, it's there's no mystery to the characters. Yeah. Oh, this is his job, this is what he does. There's nothing to learn. Yeah. Um, but again, the original, they, they give you little bits here and there. Then, oh, okay, so that's what's going on here. It again, keeps you engaged, keeps you interested. So it's another strength of the original and going to the relationships again yeah the amount of crazy i suppose (laughs) that the remake george goes as opposed to the original he definitely goes a lot more crazy and he's a lot more i guess hostile towards the kids and like you said like now she's she's really allowing him to do this we didn't see her relationship with george to kind of let him be sort of abusive towards the kids and it was She was just a little, I guess, a little bit weaker. Um, I don't know if we want to get into her characterization and how she was portrayed. It's all tied in, and because it's weaker in the remake, it's fine to sort of like start lumping them together. But like, um, before we really dive into that, like you were saying about the subtle thing, there is a line in the original, like where he, and like you mentioned, it's more subtle. Where like the stepdad line first comes in when he's like, "I wish they would stop calling me like." Um, I think it was like they were calling him George. George. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, but like it, it's right. it's like it's very subtle. Yeah, you could walk past that. It's like okay, I I guess he's like this isn't their father more mm-hmm. or less. 
for instance, in original his career, I don't really know mm-hmm. what he does. Like he's supposed to sign these paychecks, but then in the remake, they do stuff where like his truck says Lutz Construction on it. You know, like the remake really doesn't want you to be confused about anything going on. It wants you to know exactly what's happening. And I don't know, like the original George's desperation just makes more more sense to me. You know, both characters know in the original and the remake that like the house is probably even being cheaper because it's haunted. Uh, is still out of their range. They're having money issues. But, like, just, I don't know, adding that extra character where, like, when George's coworker comes, you know, that, that builds out that character more, you know? And, and yeah, he punches the guy and he freaks out a guy at the wedding. But, like, he's still very much in the range of, like, all right, yeah, he's a little, like, on edge, but he's not, like, off, yeah. you know, off base yet. Remake, he's nuts, dude. Yeah. And, uh, like, he, I think you were starting to talk about the, uh, the, the wife, in the remake, there's nothing there, man. Like, what? what's she doing? <laughs> I don't know. Just one more thing about George, I guess, in the original. Yeah, he does yeah. have these moments of, like, almost slips insanity. Like you said, he punched his co-worker. He kind of loses it at the wedding, uh, talking to the caterer. But, like, he yeah. comes back, right? right? He's not... He's like, he's like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what happened to me. He comes back. Ryan Reynolds, George, does not have any of those moments where he's like, man, I was kind of a dick. He's just like, I'm a dick all the time. This is my right. life now. I like how subtle it is, and it's not over the top, and then we're just gone in the original. The scene that we're talking about with the babysitters, the motivation makes a little bit more sense in the original where, all right, the kids are acting strange, they're doing, like, random stuff, and he's just basically saying, these kids need a little bit more discipline. He hasn't taken it to the extreme of, like, taking an axe to, like, (laughs) A kid's like face for no reason like here hold this block of wood which could literally will stand on its own i don't need you to hold it it's just way way over the top and it doesn't feel right i guess we, fuck, we might as well talk about it because we're talking about how crazy it is the dog scene can we talk about that yeah go go for it <laughs> all right dude unnecessary Mm-mm. unnecessary we got it you're losing, <laughs> you're losing it i keep focusing on it because it's so strange to me that They've included the scene of him basically making a kid hold wood while he chops at it. But then the the next level where, like, the dog's barking. In the original film, the dog bark actually leads to you finding out more about... The house. The house. Yeah. It matters. In this scene, he just is so far, like, gone that he just kills a dog. And, like, we're just supposed to be an audience and accept that, that. Oh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds... This guy who was like making all these quips and jokes earlier and having a good time and it's too over the top, man. Like it it goes beyond just like I'm kind of losing my sanity. I'm a little like the house is affecting me. It's like, oh, I'm a madman and we haven't done enough background to make you think that this is actually out of character for him. Unfortunately, we don't know enough about Ryan Reynolds character to say that was he always like this? You know? Yeah. I mean, keep it together, make some jokes doesn't mean he was sane. It it does happen uh, earlier than you would expect in the movie, and I'm just gonna add: not only does he kill the dog, he covers it up and lies about it, and never brings it up the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not in completely insanity there. That's that's some fucking I thought this through shit. Like I know right. what I'm doing here because I don't want to get caught for this horrific thing. And it's hard for as an audience member to be like, yeah, I'm still rooting for the guy that just hacked at the dog with the axe and lied about it to the kids. It's right. a bold move remake and 
Sorry. <laughs> I can't be on your side if you're going to kill the dog with the axe. I'm sorry. I think that you just nailed it right there where I, because we've gone so extreme so early with no real reasoning behind it, I'm now, I'm checked out on that character. If she shot George at that moment, I wouldn't have cared. No, not you know? at all. I'm like, yeah, this guy sucks. He's not a good guy. Fuck him. In the, the original, George hasn't gone so far that there's no redemption for him. It's like, all right, George, the hardest thing is, um, and it's definitely bad when he smacks Margot Kidder. Yeah. That's pretty bad. But, you know, also in the framework of like a movie from like 1974, yeah. you know, it still kind of falls in that range, unfortunately, of like. <laughs> Acceptable <laughs> at the time. You know? But also when he does it, you know, he it was in the moment. He's like, it's shit, right. what did I do? I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. But even when Ryan Reynolds kills the dog, he's like, fuck, I'm going to get caught. He's not even like showing that much remorse yeah. over what he did. You're right. Like George in the original is reactionary. Oh, yeah. You know, things are happening. Like he doesn't feel well. Yeah, He's always cold and he doesn't know what's happening to him. And he even, he even um, oh, I got one of the lines right here. When he says, I'm coming apart, a mother of God, I'm coming apart. Like, oh, yeah. George is, like, losing it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's it's a it's a ramp, like, it's a progression. You can see the arc. You need the arc. You can't just go, like, hey, kiddos, <laughs> to, like, propping up a dog, because at that point, you're, you're just a madman, and it's hard, to, it's hard to agree with you on anything. So, like, even at the end, when the kid's like, why the hell are you bringing him along? Like, let's go. And he's right. Yeah. This dude tried to kill all of us. Why are you bringing him? And she's like, oh, it's, uh, we got to get him away from the house. No, sorry. That relationship's over. Yeah. He almost split that kid in two with an axe if she didn't come up with that yeah. shotgun. That kid would have been dead. So he had all the right to say, no, fuck him. Leave him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, early on, they were trying to make it look like sort of like teenage angst, and I get that, but... This this was beyond the pale, <laughs> and the idea that they're going to recover this relationship is insane. Yeah, I don't uh, know based, how they're going to do that. Based on what we saw, whereas in the original, all right, I get why George is still around. Like, I get why mm-hmm. he he had a moment of uh, I don't know, he had a moment of rage, but like it, it was nowhere near. Yeah, we saw like Ryan Reynolds trying to break through the the door and chop at everybody. And everything. it just it was so much more subtle and quote unquote acceptable that I understand why at the end the, the family's still together. Yeah. Even if Ryan Reynolds was being like completely influenced by the house, he's gone beyond the point where you could reasonably let him still be part of that family. Just gonna say the original George went back and saved the dog. Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. George killed the dog. There you go. That, <laughs> and you know what? From an audience perspective. You can't say enough about that. Like he stops in a moment where he should just leave. Mm-hmm. We're gone. You you've escaped. Get out of there. And he said he stopped the car. He goes back. He gets his dog. And it almost cost him his life. Yeah. But it, for, again, from a character building perspective, totally worth it because we still like the guy. Yeah, and it's it was also sort of redeeming for him because up to that point he almost murdered his wife, right? But now mm-hmm. he's like, is he really okay or is he still kind of? possessed by whatever made him go crazy and then it's sort of like oh he's okay because you know what he actually went back saved the dog so everything is going to be okay with this george and you know you don't get a moment like that with the the remake george it's like he wakes up on the boat just like oh there's the house i guess we're not going back all right are you still fucking crazy i don't know man kind of going back to like tone and subtlety 
you know, maybe this is implied. I mean, I'm kind of basing this off of the remake a little bit. He gets away from the house and he has this moment of, I got to go get my dog. Maybe that's part of it. It's not really spelled out that, like, because he has some distance from the house, that his sanity starts to come back. I, I mean, that's the way it works in a remake. I don't know if that's the way it work, works in the original. Not entirely but, um, sure because he was at that bar for a while. And that's I, true. I still feel like he was a little bit on edge. I don't feel yeah. like he felt like, hey, I feel a lot better. <laughs> it's, it's not so cold here anymore. I feel like the house still had a hold on him. Like we said, the house had a range in that original film that went beyond just being that location. So I think it still had a grip on him at that point. I think think the house in the original, and it's something that actually makes the movie work a little bit, the house has sort of like a self-preservation aspect to it, a little bit of autonomy that like it picks its targets. You know, it's like these guys are clearly trying to like get rid of all the evil spirits which is my power source we didn't talk about it yet but um maybe we should talk about what's in the basement (laughs) (laughs) okay it's like i I do want to get to like the margot kidder Mm -hmm. comparison but like i don't know we're we're here now so we might as well talk about go for it the the basement in the original film all right let's go back to the bar (laughs) Um, george in the original film and i think it helps to introduce different characters his co-business owner shows up and the first time he tries to meet with George his wife won't get out of the car because the house gives her the creeps they meet again at the witch's brew <laughs> fitting name yeah I know Over the top. <laughs> a little but, on the nose but whatever a little, a little too much. but they meet at the witch's brew and he's like oh George you're acting weird like what's going on George punches the guy out, <laughs> but then they're like, apparently that's how people talked in the seventies. Like, 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 like y'all longest yard, right? Hey, we fought. Now we could be friends. <laughs> exactly. Just like longest yard. It's kind of cool that like his co-worker as it were, and his wife who's into the occult, she seemingly is like connected to spirits, decide to go back to the house. It like, it moves the story along. First of all, she knows way too much about the house. Um, <laughs> she definitely does. That, that's okay. And then when she gets to the house, she knows way too much about um, the occult. That, yeah. That's fine. And but then like, she has this weird spider sense. She's like, I need to go to the basement. It's like, do you? How do you know that? Well, because the basement's a portal to hell. <laughs> Damn. The, the red room. Like, the room is red. Like, there's this weird mirror effect, which, you know, charges to the time the film came out. <laughs> Strange, but, you know, again, it gives you more backstory when the house, I'll take it, you know? Mm-hmm. A little ham-fisted the way we got there. The remake, at this point, does it matter that there's more occult happening? You know, we already know what the current problem is, so it doesn't matter if there was more bad things that happened to the house. It was completely unnecessary. Well, and it's not only a small little sort of room under the staircase. It's a huge huge jail or something that he's walking around and can we just go into one little detail did you see Gollum in the remake one of those prisoners was definitely Gollum yeah a little bit yeah yeah yeah. he looked exactly like Gollum turning from Smeagol like in that transition phase from Smeagol to Gollum I think it was done on purpose because I was reading it on IMDB and there was a note about it in the trivia I was like why would they do that it took me out of the movie it's like wait we're the rings what the fuck that's so funny Again, even the way they do those two moments, where it's like, all right, these are like kind of extreme and potentially we'll take it out of the film. But in the original film, it ties back into, again, the mystery, whereas he looks like the previous um, homeowner and the guy at the bar mentions that. And people mention that George looks like the son. 
it kind of makes you wonder if there's like some spiritual connection, if there's some sort of uh, genealogy or time, you know, some sort of like reason why he looks like the guy, why he's being affected by the house. In the remake, you know, a prison where or a jail or whatever where they used to kill people. All right, that's interesting, I guess. But like again, we already have the occult before we got to this point. I don't know. Like the original film does a better job of handling that. You know, we we started talking about this because of the George character. It keeps me in a place where George still makes sense to me as a character, and I, I lose a little bit of that in the remake. Yeah. It is completely unnecessary, and I did kind of zone out in the remake. And it's like, how does it even relate to the little Jody girl exactly? Because now there's another guy who's slashing throats here, and then there's blood everywhere. And it, is this supposed to be a moment where George is just completely snapped? I was sort of confused as to, like, what the point of him sort of seeing these visions underneath, since he's already been seeing visions. It's like, right. we need more visions to be seen and it's like now that he's in this room it's gonna make him snap more it wasn't really clear what the motivation was in the remake to do that because like you said we already we've seen visions <laughs> we don't need more right. visions right in the original film that scene is an escalation that's where things start to get kind of fleshed out like ancient indian burial grounds which, <laughs> don't get me started on that in horror films but all right now we sort of get an idea of why the house is so evil and um as goofy as the guy's wife is it's like randomly has a book with a picture of the house and you know it's like oh the ketchup murders and stuff like that at least that's there maybe i missed something in the remake because i did zone out a couple times the book that says like catch him kill him stuff like that like was there um a framework explaining that in the in the remake or were you supposed to just kind of know that already i think you might have had to know it because you the way you see it in the remake is when kathy's at the library and then it's sort of just these random uh newspaper headlines that she's reading but they don't really go into the amount of detail that the original does i think you're just supposed to either already know it or hopefully connect the lines really quickly by yourself if you can i don't know i mean we're, we're talking we're talking about kathy now we, we should sure we're going to kathy so we have kathy in the original portrayed by margot kidder and we have Kathy in the remake, portrayed by Melissa George. Let's get into the comparison. Go for your Kathy. Which one's your Kathy? I mean, my Kathy's Margot Kidder. Um, one, just uh, <laughs> some of the stuff they do with her in terms of, like, when she's doing, um, <laughs> when she's got, like, the big 80 socks on and she's, like, doing, like, aerobics in the mirror with, like, her boobs out. <laughs> like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Margot Kidder, I hardly knew you. Why didn't you do this in Superman? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, Margot Kidder's flesh out, you know? Um, yeah. Even early on in the film, when they're going through the house and she wants to buy it, I get sort of why they want the house, you know? Like, I, there's more background about what the appeal is. Melissa George is just, I don't know, she just feels like she's along for the ride. I don't know what what she's there for other than to be, like, the mother of the kids. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think like we said, the original definitely benefits from the longer runtime. You get a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with Kathy in the original. I don't think you get mm -hmm. any in the remake. She's definitely just a reactionary character in the remake. She's just like, oh, my kids, oh, my husband. It's like, yeah. you never see her sort of dealing with it. And then in the original, you see Margot Kidder, just like how what's happening to George is just affecting her. And 
I know I said there's too much of the priests in the original, but then that's sort of Margot Kidder. She's that's she gets a lot of screen time with that. She's trying to call the priests, and you get a lot more screen time with her. And you see how the house affects her too. She's also right. experiencing these weird phenomena, but you don't really get that so much from the Kathy in the remake. It's all George's story, but it's more of George and Kathy's story in the original. I think that that's a great point because as George is struggling and and in the remake, again, we have a lot of open questions about what's happening to George. And to an extent, George is sort of incapacitated for a lot of this because he's so sick and he's so cold. <laughs> he's always like putting firewood in the, uh, you know, the fireplace. But like Kathy is actively looking for solutions. You can see when her sister comes to town, she's like pleading with her to stay because she's clearly noticing something's wrong. She's reaching out to the priest and she begs the father like, hey, we've, we've got a problem. Like, I need to talk to you. And there's this background of being in the, the church. So like this is where the religion actually helps again. Like she has this background of um, being religious, of seeking guidance from the church, seeking guidance from God putting her crucifix in the, the house. Like, she just has more personality. She's got more character. You know, like you said, you see how this is affecting her because she's skeptical and confused as well. I don't know, the remake's just like... The biggest action that we see from her is, like, when Ryan Reynolds has, I think it's the daughter, and she's like, give me my kid, and, like, he just kind of throws a kid at her. Like, that's <laughs> the biggest scene that I remember seeing from her, other than... The roof being, scene. I think the roof scene with uh, her Yeah, daughter. that's the roof scene, that's for sure. But, like, she gets fake-out killed a couple times. Yeah, I hated that. And there's not much there. I can't remember really a lot of her speaking lines or really what she did, other than kind of freak out at different times in the movie. Yeah, she's her character is not as drawn out in the remake, so you care less about her. You care less about her relationship to George, because you don't really know... You don't get a lot of screen time with her, but I'm definitely more invested in her and her relationship with George in the original just because we do get that personality. And I could see like, oh, yeah, this is a person that I'm, I do care about and I want good things to happen to her. Not this just mom who's there to just kind of react to all this crap that's happening to her. You don't get any one on one time. I, I think that's definitely a strength of the original. that You just get a lot more time with her. And I think that there are moments that happened in the original that are, again, we, we talked about subtly, but um, when George is talking about the house with her and he sort of brings up some of the financials where he says that, you know, oh, the boat, like the boat fee went up where wherever they were living before. And he was like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to worry you about it. And, um, and you know, he, he talks about the business a little bit more at length. Like Ryan Reynolds brings it up that, yeah, when the business is doing better, but he he's, there's no real clear indication that, they're struggling as much as um you see in the original where it's clear that like George isn't signing checks, checks are bouncing. Um you you can kinda understand more why he feels stuck in the house. Part of that is through his conversations with Kathy as well. And like by adding some of those scenes, by having her react, um, it helps to flesh out both their characters. You feel like both of them are your protagonists. Like you're giving yourself more people to care about. In the remake, making George so nuts and then making Kathy not matter, who, who are you rooting for? Yeah. Is it the kids? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think another thing that the original is better is George and Kathy are more united 
they're more together. They're in this thing together. In the remake, mm-hmm. they separate. He moves into the basement. They're not even like a couple, like for like almost half the movie. They're just separate the whole time. So you're not rooting for them. But they don't do that in the original. He's always they're always sleeping in the same bed. You know, they're they're together. You feel like it's a struggle that they're trying to get through together. But like you said, it's who are you rooting for in the remake? Because Ryan Reynolds and uh, Melissa George are not even together. So who am I rooting for? This is this is really confusing. Who is there a good guy? I wasn't really sure. Yeah, like if you really go back and look at it, who's the good guy? Obviously, Ryan Reynolds is the star power here, but you've made him like Jack Nicholson from The Shining on like crack. And you're, the female lead is almost non-existent, which is a shame. I think you get more screen time, more talking time from the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> if You know, like the babysitter is a more compelling character. A more fleshed out character, I think. Absolutely. It's confusing. I don't know if there was like more there and they cut certain things. Um, you know, we always kind of talk about like studio notes and was there more to it that just wasn't working? You know, I don't know. Um, some of the runtime in the original is unnecessary, but I think spending a little more time and attention with these characters mm-hmm. matter. Um, yeah. I wish that there was kind of a um, a scene that was equivalent of the wedding, although I don't think we need the full wedding scene in the original. Mm-hmm. I wish that there was a moment for Cassie to see more of his backslide, because I think that scene shows you in the original Cassie like eavesdropping in on him right. and notes that like he's starting to like become unhinged or like more testy. Not only the babysitter that they kind of focus more on, it's the kids. They get a lot more to do than the mom too. And I think the original they have Kathy kind of be sort of like our eyes like oh my god what's happening to him i don't know what to do just want to help him but i think in the remake they have more the kids being like the ones that are like suffering through uh george's uh transformation and i don't know why they decided to do that Uh, it really gives kathy less to do in the remake because i mean there's so much like not there for the the uh remake kathy there's really not much to go on other than look you know margo kidder did a great job. You can see her reacting and you can see that she cares about her kids in a substantial way. I, don't, I really don't have much on the Melissa George character, which is a shame. But uh, when you're talking about the kids, because we might as well just move to that section of it. Does it make sense to make the kid older in a remake? I don't think that it does. It seems to just be there to have like... Just for I that sexual it, tension between him and the babysitter? Yeah, like It seemed like just to make the joke of like the hot babysitter coming through, which was also a very strange choice as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. When you really like look at the film and what that brought to it. Yeah. Um, like we said, having her young made it more scary for her to be locked in this closet as opposed to a grown woman who could probably bust out of that weak ass door, you know? Like, I guess she's there for comedic relief. I think the, the remake tries to do comedy more career with Ryan Reynolds. Holy uh, shit. Just on that note, there is Ryan Reynolds when he's in his killing spree. At the end of the movie, he does pull out a one-liner. These kids are out of control. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, are you really doing one-liners? At this fucking crucial, intense moment? I was like, I was just like, oh my god, you took me out of the movie. Stop. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. Like, the babysitter is, like, smoking pot. And, you know, like, I, I think I get where they're going with that. Totally doesn't fit. The kid being older actually takes you out of it. I guess they're trying to make more of an emphasis on the children. But they don't have a lot of 
lines, you know. Um, I think they I, definitely have more than the original kids. Cause like, they do. Especially the boys. I don't remember much about the boys except for their cheeks getting squeezed. <laughs> but I mean, like, I sort of think that that actually plays the advantage of the original where the kids are part of it. You know, like, it's, it's messed up what's happening to the family. But because Margot Kidder is fleshed out, you get to see a mother sort of reacting to her family. Whereas, like, in the remake, the kids have a little more agency, but, like, are they bringing enough to the table? I think it actually works more to just have the kids be more background in the original with a lot of emphasis on the daughter. Because, ultimately, the story revolves around her because she's seeing the most out of everybody. Yeah. Well, like and I see what's going on. Yeah, like I said before, like, George is kind of distant. He's more distant in the original. Like, as he's distant, we're also distant. We don't know as much as these kids, so George doesn't. So I think that does play to the strength of the original. The uh, the oldest the oldest son, he's doing a decent job. Uh, I think the actor was uh, Jesse James, was his name, something like that. I think so. Um, and, yeah, you get the beat, kind of a funny beat with the uh, sexual tension with the babysitter. And there's more character to him. But ultimately, he doesn't say a lot. He's mostly there just to be like, tortured by Ryan Reynolds. So again, everything seems to float around George in the remake. And it actually isn't really the best look because there's gotta be more to the story than just George being crazy. Do you feel like he maybe should have done more because he was older? Like maybe he could have, I don't know, taken some action against George. Like you mentioned, like when he was attacking the mom, maybe he could have done something to sort of stand up. Maybe just having the kids be sort of young and defenseless and the original just, brings up the threat level of George as opposed to having like an older kid that might be able to fight back. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause like Margot Kidder is more helpless in the film and like her, her true, her unity with George is, is more important because of the age of the kids. Whereas like in this remake, like, first of all, the kids bringing up good points and we already mentioned it, but like, he's like, why are we bringing this guy with us? So like <laughs> smart enough to know that he does show some um, heroism when Ryan Reynolds is trying to break through the basement door and he helps hold block the, door. the door. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's why when there was that moment of like Ryan Reynolds sort of retaliating against um, uh, Melissa George, I kind of thought that the kid was going to bring up the axe and hit him. Cause like to me, like that fits the arc. That makes sense. You know, it doesn't happen. It's just like, well, if you're going to make the kid older, like put him to work, you know? Yeah, missed opportunity, I suppose. What do you think about the little girl? Characters? Little girl. So we have Amy in the original, portrayed by Natasha Ryan. And then we have Chelsea in the remake, portrayed by Chloe Grace Moretz. In both films, I'll say that this is, uh, this is extremely important and strong character. I find, and obviously this is part of some of the differences that we talked about, I found that the original the Amy character, I'm getting more of like the youthful, like naive performance from her uh, because we don't know what's going on. She's just kind of telling you about her imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. And it works because there's, like we mentioned, there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of the unknown happening in the film. Chloe Grace Moretz, this is her first film and she's had actually a very strong career since then. This was, I guess was kind of like the world's intro to her. But I actually really do appreciate that character's arc and like you know what she's going through just because we clearly know that there's a ghost and she does a great job of telling people what the ghost motivation is but it just kind of falls back to one of those things of i think ultimately i still prefer 
the subtlety of the unknown. I think it's a more jarring scene when the mom walks in and there's two rocking chairs going because it's it's alluding to what's happening. Whereas Chloe, she's doing a, a decent job, of course, but we already know what the problem is. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have as much ability to kind of make things scary or drive the action. Whereas that original Amy character is really one of the main parts of the story telling us what's going on. I think uh, I sort of go along the same lines. I think the mystery of the first film makes that Amy almost more threatening because she's so much more unknown because you don't see the ghost. You don't know if she is working with the ghosts or if she's even possessed by the ghost or if this is going to be like something we're going to have to deal with at the end of the movie. But then you have the Chelsea character in the remake. And like you said, we see the ghosts and she doesn't come across to me as like possibly a threat or menacing, especially that roof scene where she's like, I'm going to just join daddy, right? She seems more like a good girl that's just like sort of being misled by this ghost. And having the ghost there, we have a much more clear idea of like the ghost is the villain, right? The ghost is like, she wants me to be here with her forever and ever. So we know that the ghost is bad and not that Chelsea is bad. But in the original, we don't really see Jody interacting. And we kind of hear like, oh, Jody says this, but we're not sure if that's like an imaginary friend, if she's just making that up or if she's actually being told that. And I think the mystery plays well into making the Amy in the original just like more threatening and having her be the unknown. So I liked her character more. I thought what uh, Chloe, I thought what she did was fine. Like you said, I like her character more in the original. Definitely. I think that you you locked in on another great point that um, it actually fits the George arc more in the original for him to kind of be, in a sense, thinking that perhaps his little girl is a source of the problem. Because like a lot of times when things are happening, he's seeing it from the perspective of this little girl who's like presumably acting out because they don't know that there's a ghost. Mm-hmm. In a dark way, like, you could actually see him snapping and trying to, like, take out this, like, innocent child. Like, you can see that arc and you can see it making sense to him from a character perspective. Whereas Ryan Reynolds, like you said, it's like this whole, oh, these kids are out of control. And <laughs> clearly, clearly they're not. Yeah. Like, I understand that maybe that was for a joker to bring some levity to the film. But Ryan Reynolds, George is out of control. That's the problem. It's Ryan Reynolds and it's the ghost. In the original film, it's the house, it's the occult, it's the paranormal, it's the portal to hell. This little girl, is she part of it? Is she really the little girl or is she, um, has she been possessed by this house as well? You don't know. Mm-hmm. You really don't know. Um, it's not spelled out. And it just gives that character just more, more influence in the film in terms of being able to drive mystery. Whereas in the remake, there's even the, the line where um, the little girl's like, oh, well, Jody has said that George is bad and you're okay, mommy. Like, mm-hmm. all right, well, like now we know the ghost, according to this, the Chelsea character, we know the ghost isn't really after the mom, They're only after George. Mm-hmm. And George killed the dog, so I don't care if the ghost is after <laughs> There's problems that are presented with how the film is uh, shot and presented to us as an audience. And I think just kind of adding to that, 
having Amy in the original, you don't know if she's working with the ghost exactly. Like that could almost justify why George would want to kill his family. She's not really working with the ghost so much in the remake as being tricked by the ghost and everything. So you could understand, I guess, George's motives more in the original because he he doesn't understand everything. We don't understand everything. But in the remake, we understand, oh, it's a ghost. So don't kill your family because it's a ghost. It just seems to be less of a psychological breakdown in the remake. He's either possessed or this is kind of more of a conscious choice. Like, he does seem to be a bit... Well, obviously, he's possessed because the resolution at the end where he gets farther away from the house and it seems to loosen his grip. But, I don't know, there's just more ambiguity to it in the original. And it, it serves the movie well where, you know, is he possessed? Is he just you know, reacting to this. I don't know. Once again, the mystery has allowed the film to make choices where I get why George would try to kill the kid in the original in a way that logically makes sense. Whereas in a remake, he's just crazy. Yeah. And that's, it's not good enough yeah. personally. Definitely. The mystery definitely helps serves the story better. Where should we go from here? You know, we got into the mystery of things and, um, a little bit of the runtime, I think the original could have done well to be a little bit shorter. I think the remake could have been a little bit longer if you flesh out characters versus just trying to, like, jump scare us. I mean, in both situations, I think the endings for both films feel flat to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but they both just felt a little weak, in my opinion. Yeah, they're definitely both weak because... Ultimately, the family completely gets away, and the house is still there. And then you get this text in both movies how, like, and then they just moved out and left all their stuff there. Pretty much the end. And it's not a very satisfying resolution because of, like, everything you've sort of gone through the whole time. You expect, like, something to happen. Like, either he does go through with the murders, or maybe something happens to the house. But none of that happens, and it's like... It's almost anticlimactic in a way because it's like, and then they moved away after 28 days. It's all, and then you're thinking like, well, maybe they should have just moved away earlier, and then yeah. we wouldn't have to have gone through all this nonsense. Nobody dies. Everybody's pretty much okay psychologically, as far as I can tell. Like nobody was like scarred for life from what they show, and uh, yeah, it just does definitely feel sort of anticlimactic at the very end. But then the remake does show you just a little extra more. Uh, with our ghost Jody just kind of screaming there in the middle of the house, and we see these quick cuts, and then she gets dragged through the floor, and I don't know why they showed me that, and I wrote in my notes, what was the point of that? Why did they do that? Why? <laughs> I, I just think that that jump scare trend in films around that time did that, where like I think they tried to make you feel a certain way about the evil character. Like, The Ring clearly did a great job, as you mentioned, of creating a horror around this particular character from like a marketing perspective. You saw a lot of times where they would focus on the particular evil and would say, Oh, like what's the secret or what's the deal with this character? I'm sure there was something in some sort of advertisement. that was like, there's something strange about Jody. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like we're going to franchise this and this is going to be what we work around. Like it, other than that, there was no storytelling reason for that to happen. 
yeah, I guess if they're setting up for a sequel, it kind of makes sense. Like, she's she's going to be here forever, so the next family that moves in is going to be haunted. But we already know this This is based on a true story, and nothing has happened since since pretty much the initial murders. Because right. there's even question as to, like, well, did this really happen with the Lutz? Or is, this, is this just a hoax, too? That's a good point. There's controversy about how, how true the true yeah. story this is. Yeah, in the original, because you know, more or less, we we've been a little bit more sympathetic of the original, but there there's some issues. It's like how much more broke is he going to be? It's like he already can't pay his bills, and the IRS is already <laughs> called. Who cares if like this house goes? You know, like maybe he's looking at at the houses like this is the one thing that I can hold on to. This makes me feel like I'm successful to an extent, but like there's just so many moments to just say I'm leaving. Like, I, I, like, have notes here. It was like, couldn't she stay with the sister, you know? Couldn't <laughs> she stay at the church? Like, if there's this much problems with this house, maybe reevaluate, take some some time back. Like, you can stay somewhere else while you try to figure that out. And, like, for the end, just be like, yeah, and they left. And it was like, well, yeah, they should have left. <laughs> you know? It, it makes it feel like, what was the point of you watching any of it in the first place? Yeah. All right, after, like, a week of all these, like, oh, shit, this is... This is a bad moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a rational human being would have done something different, you know? The remake adds, I guess, that extra element of, you know, like, the range of the house. And, like, if we can get Ryan Reynolds away from the house, he'll be normal again. I still argue what's the point because of what he's done in that house. Whether or not it was the house controlling him or not, these things happen, and there's no way to reset that. So yeah, then just have the, this idea of, like, and then they left. Like, <laughs> That feels even weaker than the original, because at least in the original, like, I understand that they would still like George. They would still want to be around him to an extent. I don't know why the hell they would <laughs> hang out with George in the remake. The thing, come back to the dog, is he going to tell them about the dog ever, or is he just going to take that to the grave? It's like, uh, they really shouldn't have killed that dog, because it just left me yeah. with more questions, and it's like... I can't see him being redeemed after that action. Like you right. said, it's like, we don't want him anymore. <laughs> Get rid of him. It's one of those things where if some of the early tension is the kids, especially the older one, doesn't like him and like they care about their dad. That's a note that we didn't really get into. So we can talk about it here. But like in the remake, they really care about the mm-hmm. dad. Yeah. Um, The original dad, not Ryan Reynolds, of course. And they bring him up constantly. Melissa George is trying to tell the kids to give Ryan Reynolds a chance. Why would they ever? <laughs> you're never going to repair that relationship. That that relationship no. is effectively done. There's there's nothing there anymore. I don't know. Like they didn't give me enough as an audience member to make me understand why she put that gentleman on her boat. No, and it's like I said, the original. At least George kind of has a redeeming moment where he goes back to save the dog. Ryan Reynolds George doesn't save them from anything. If anything, he's, he's, he's the, the threat. The, he's the threat the whole time. He does nothing to redeem himself in those children's eyes. So, yeah, why would they ever trust being with him ever the rest of their life? They're going to have, like, sleep with one eye open forever. Just, he has done nothing to show that he will not hurt them. And I think that that kid being a little bit older is going to make that point. You know, like, that's not in the movie, but you got to imagine he's going to make that point for, like, the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. This guy, like, threatened me with an axe. He threatened you with an axe. You almost shot him. Like, we almost died. Like, I don't like this guy. 
they, there would never be a moment where he's able to recover that. To have the same screen scrawl that just says, yeah, the Lutz is left and the Lutz is left. <laughs> it's like, well, as disappointing as it is in the original, it fits a little bit more where it's like, all right, there's this mystery. We don't really know what was going on. We assume it was like the satanic, the occult. But like the family left and they just never looked back. Okay, that still makes sense in the original. I think it's a bit of a cop out. It's a little boring, mm-hmm. but in the remake, it's like you can't just take everything that I saw, killing the dog, trying to kill the kid, all this crazy torture stuff, and then just be like, and then they left. It's yeah. like I, not only do I not accept it as an ending, I find it hard to believe that that is the end of the story. It's just like, and then they left, and then in my mind, I'm like, and uh, George got a restraining order, and everyone else. <laughs> Move to Connecticut. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. They definitely did sort of almost force, like, a, and then they were happily ever after in the remake. And you're like, no, 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 they're, they're not. No, There's just, no way. It's an impossibility that that resolved well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely dropped the ball there with the remake. That was one of the places I would hope that they improved upon the original. But I don't think they did at all. And like you said, it, it's, it's worse. <laughs> I think they're even better off not putting that text at the bottom. You know, like, mm-hmm. for him just to have that moment of, like, Kathy, don't look at it, don't look back, it's over. Like, that by itself would have been better than that line with the, we left all our stuff. No, we saw that, we get that. The original, like you said, it, I mean, the remake, like you said, it goes back and it looks at, um, I don't know, the little girls in the room again, then it showed 3.15 a.m., which I guess is when that family was shot. Like, I'm assuming, I don't think it was really brought up, you know, it just fell flat. He needed a redeeming moment in order for them to accept him back, and he didn't have one. So there was no reason that they should have accepted him. I think so. Even if there was like a moment of clarity, where like on the way out, like we know it doesn't happen, but like if he like torched the house, maybe, or like if... maybe like a piece of like the house like falls, and like he maybe saves one of the kids or something. You know, it's something to show that like yeah, I'm a good guy deep down under. You know, it was the house. I know it was like a little fucked up, but you know. When it's me, I will save you. But we don't get or, any moment like that. Yeah, or even, um, no, nah, because even that moment doesn't work. I was going to say, even if they, like, moved around when, like, Kathy gets her hair stuck in, like, the uh, the engine of the boat. Like, oh, I forgot broke. about that scene. Yeah. He can't even redeem himself from that. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, yeah, like, she literally was like, you just tried to kill me. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he did. He, just tried <laughs> to he was contemplating letting you drown. It's like if you move that a little bit, like um, it's scarier and more like jarring. If the little girl got stuck in the rotor and then he like snapped to and saved her and there wasn't that like back and forth. Yeah. Like he saw with his wife. Maybe that's the moment that redeems him. Again, getting in the cheesy like Hollywood types imagery. If he's like pulling her out of the boat thing or out of the water and like the ghost hand is pulling the kid. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that could actually give you something to rally behind right that's just not there wow i forgot about the boat scene yeah that was really fucked up yeah, <laughs> absolutely crazy dude like her hair gets stuck in the rotor and, and then she's sitting there like yeah she could see I, him I, not I, doing I, anything I kill her. it was like it was better off if he did yeah that's two times where the movie kind of copped out that he was going to kill her and it's like Arr. you're actually better off like killing that character off and having the son I don't know, like, running, but then, like, he gets his hands on the shotgun, and, like, I don't know, like, there, there's just so many other things you could do than what actually happened. 
Oh, by the way, where did the shotgun come from in the remake? I don't know. She grabbed it at some point, but I'm not sure where no, it was. No, where did he get it from, Ryan, uh, George? He just comes out of the basement with a shotgun all of a sudden. And I'm like, uh, I don't remember seeing a gun any other shots. Usually the way movies work is they show you something in the beginning and they bring it back in the end. We saw the axe true. a lot. We saw him drag that axe a lot. They they did that yeah, glamorized shot a lot in the remake. But we never saw the shotgun as far as I remember. Yeah, I don't remember seeing the shotgun. I guess it's sort of a callback to the actual murders in like the original film because uh, the shotgun is used. Um, almost an identical looking shotgun is used in the original murder before the Lutzes move in. I get that. I remember that, but it's like, where did it but come yeah, from? right. Like, <laughs> does he have a shotgun like that? Like, where did, like you said, where did that come from? Is it a callback to that? Is it his own shotgun? Like, what's happening? They didn't explain it at all. Man, I think we're starting to get to that point. Like, yeah, uh, I think we are. <laughs> Amityville Horror and the. Emilyville Horror 2005 Remake. Dan, I think you know how to ask the question. All right, it's judgment time, Reggie. Should this remake exist? I personally don't think that it should exist because it's sort of like last time we were talking about like 101 Dalmatians. Like, actually, no, no, I got an even better one. Okay. It actually reminds me of that episode we did with The Italian Job where, all right, you've got kind of like the bones of this franchise, but to me it feels like you're just doing other movies that were popular at that time with the caveat that it's tied to the Amityville horror. Like, it, it's a jump scare mess. The jump scares don't really work. They're not actually very scary or interesting at all. Maybe it was better in theaters, but I don't know. I, I can't see it being much better. It just didn't feel right. Shortening the runtime, you would think, would have made it better, but it actually made it worse. Ryan Reynolds is too much of a nice guy to be your character, and by then he's just too cartoonishly bad. It, it's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination. Some of the characters actually have less to do in the remake, especially from uh, the female character's perspective. I don't think they should have made the movie at all. It just doesn't doesn't add anything, and it, it's not very interesting. Yeah, like I always say, every time I watch the original, I always try to think, what can the remake do to sort of justify that they made a remake? So I guess this one was a little tough for me. I think one of the things I sort of mentioned before was maybe cut back a little bit on the religious aspect of it. The original, I, while I liked some of those scenes with the flies, I did feel too much like The Exorcist. And I was hoping that maybe the remake could just make it more about the house and less religious, almost like The Shining or something like that. And they almost did that, but then they did bring that priest back in a little after the halfway point. And then the other thing that I was hoping that the remake would improve on was that ending because like you said left both of us pretty flat and it didn't and it was actually made worse just because of what they did with the george character and then the things that they added such as the ghosts and the jump scares didn't work for me either so at the end of the day i'm just gonna have to say no they shouldn't have made this remake and just touching on what you said like ryan reynolds and melissa george not the strongest characters i definitely like the way they were portrayed in the original i had problems with the original especially that ending it just i wish there was something uh that the movie could have done better instead of eh, and then they went home it's it's tough though because i guess what are you supposed to do because like nobody dies and then nothing happens to the house so i don't know how you end it but i, yeah. I just feel like they could have done something 
in the remake. I mean, it was like 26 years later. They, they could have come up with something. And what they came up with was just, like you said, just like flavors of the time. They just copied off the ring into jump scares. So, no, they didn't need to remake this movie. Not the way they did. Yeah, I actually like that point that you made there where, like, at this point, there were people that were involved or something like that. You could have done a thing that, like, a lot of movies do now where you do, like, interviews with real people from the area, you know, that, like, talk about the house and stuff like that, show pictures of, like, what the people that were involved actually looked like. Those are things that I think you could do in a remake towards the end to make it feel bigger, you know? Now, there is controversy about how true the, uh, either film is when it comes to the true story. Well, well like, the I, remake is even less true because George Lutz actually sued somebody, either the studio or something, just because I think the dog killing scene was just like, you know, defamation of character or something. So for him, at least, he was like, well, this remake is nowhere near what the story I was, yeah. I wrote in my book or I told. I don't know how available it was, but there was an opportunity there to bring like a George Lutz on and to have like a, this is the guy, you know, this <laughs> This fictional sort of account, actually, there's more to it than that. You would have hoped that that was there. Like you mentioned, there there's issues with the original. Let's not let's be honest about that. But I think overall, the overall package that you get is just such a better product than the remake that it's just unfortunate that um, we even had to sit through that remake because it just it it wasn't worth the time, in my opinion. Yeah, the original uh, does do, like like we said, it reveals a little bit of the mystery a little bit at a time to keep you engaged. So it does that very well, and you don't get any of that in the remake, which was probably the highlight of the original, that it was able to like keep you like wanting to know what was going to happen more. Weirdly, it was something that, as I was watching it, I actually thought that in the original that George was a bit weaker, um, in my opinion. Like I didn't really get a lot of personality from him, especially early on. Actually, that blank slate works towards the end of the film in a way where fleshing out the character early weakens mm-hmm. the story later because... Weakens the transformation, at least. It's more, more less believable if he's uh, this nice, gets-along-great-with-the-kids kind of a Ryan Reynolds-y character, as we saw in the remake. I think you could still do that if you had an actual arc. Like, it just... Nice guy, bad guy. Like, there was nothing really, to me, that felt like we ramped into him getting worse. Like, he just kind of went from being a decent dude to, like, a terrible dude. And there wasn't enough sort of in between those moments. And I I know we'll we'll see this very often. It's just another Hollywood reskin, you know? It just, okay, the characters have the same names and the settings are the same, but they're not even tonally, remotely the same film. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Just going back to something you mentioned, you said, like, yeah, we learned more information uh, since uh, the original movie was made, which was sort of one of the motivating factors for making the remake. They said that they had learned more information about the incident since then, but I didn't really see it. (laughs) I mean, did you see anything new? Uh, No, I mean, I'm sure that was used for, like, marketing, you know, but I I didn't see anything in there that made me feel different about the story. Um, It wasn't anything particularly different or compelling that was like, oh, I'm glad that we brought this back because I didn't know that that happened. That just never happens in the film. Yeah. We got to stop watching these uh, horror remakes where they cast these uh, funny guys in the lead, Reggie. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, you're right. That's uh, Psycho in this one. (laughs) As much as a miscast as Vince Vaughn was this time around, like 
it's the wrong tone for Psycho. Uh, it doesn't really fit, but maybe because Psycho was a shot for shot, um, more of it was connected to the original. This remake, I don't know, man. It just didn't it didn't feel like the same film. Uh, trying to create that big scare Hollywood character just too early of a reveal, and I think that the remake doesn't didn't understand how important not knowing what was going on actually was. Yeah how enticing that mystery and slowly revealing it could be. So if you're going to watch a version of Amityville Horror, definitely stick with the original. All right, so what do you want to do next? Let's see. So we're coming we're coming off a of sci-fi, we're coming off a of horror film and we're coming off a of kids cartoon. I think just to cleanse the palate, we should do something a little more action-oriented. Uh, I think you mentioned before about doing a western. You got any ideas for that? So a few westerns that have been remade. We got 310 to Yuma, Magnificent Seven, and True Grit. So I think either the, any one of those could be pretty good. You know what? Uh, True Grit. You know, I think that I think that'd be a good one. I haven't. Yeah, I, let's go check that, that out. I've seen all uh, three of the remakes. I haven't actually seen any of the originals of the movies I just said. So, yeah, we'll start with True Grit. Yeah, I think the only remake that I've seen. It was 310 to Yuma. Uh, I didn't. I actually didn't catch Magnificent Seven yet. But I think True Grit is a nice place to start. And I won't tell you my experience with either film yet. We'll save that for the podcast. All right. True Grit it is. Thanks for listening to another episode. If there's anything we missed or any differing opinions you guys have, definitely let us know. I'm Dan Bulick, and you can find me at Console Wars Guys on Twitter or YouTube.com slash Console Wars. I'm Reggie Parker. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RPComedy. Check out my website, rpcomedy.com. Thanks for listening to Retro Retro vs. Remake. Remake.